listen, it's not all bad news. When we talk about artificial intelligence, um, there's some good news, some really, really good news, too. It's incredibly powerful, and that immense power can potentially go bad, as we're being warned about, but can also do some incredible, truly wonderful things, including in the field of healthcare. In last week, uh, a study out of McMaster University detailed the work done by some researchers there, along with researchers at MIT in Boston, to try and identify an antibiotic that would help fight a deadly and drug-resistant bacteria. Exciting stuff, and we're going to speak now with Dr. John Stokes, who is an assistant professor of biochemistry and biomedical sciences at McMaster, and the lead author of the research paper into this topic. Uh, Dr. Stokes, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for calling. How are you? I'm great today. Not bad at all. Let's start, first of all, with what were you trying to solve? What's the problem? That's where we always start. What's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the bacteria you needed to deal with? Yeah, so the, the bug we were going after is this thing called Acinetobacter bomanii, which is a, a legitimate mouthful. Um, but it's a really problem hospital-acquired bug. Um, it likes to hang out on, you know, doorknobs and, and clinical equipment and stuff for a really long time. And as you said, you know, these, the, this bug is often resistant to most, if not all, currently used clinical antibiotics. So we need to find new clinical antibiotics with which to treat this bug. And, it, and it's super scary because it causes a lot of really nasty infections, things like meningitis and pneumonia and like blood infections and you know recent estimates put mortality at roughly one in four so it's wow. a significant threat right no kidding i mean that that's extremely high yeah and and of course part of the problem here and you know it's called antibiotic resistant that's the big complicating factor very difficult to find a drug that'll help treat it right of course yeah i mean if it's resistant to most, if not everything, we already use to treat patients, when we go to do drug discovery to find new antibiotics against this bug, we need to start looking for, you know, fundamentally new medicines. And that's, you know, that's a very high bar to clear. Okay, so tell us how AI was used to help facilitate that search. What did you do? Yeah, so in a typical antibiotic discovery program, um, what it could look like is, you know, in a laboratory, we might have to purchase, you know, get in the lab, you know, maybe a million chemicals, a million different chemicals. And then we have to go into the laboratory and test a million chemicals to see which ones kill this bug and which ones don't. You can imagine, like, oh, geez, a million yeah. experiments is a lot. It's a lot of time and a lot of money. So the idea is, can we leverage an artificial intelligence algorithm to help us do these searches of these chemicals in the computer so we don't have to go into the laboratory and spend so much time and money doing it by hand. That's okay. sort of the, the, the logic behind the application of AI and drug discovery. Gotcha. So you're not searching for a specific drug. It's not like you're going through the medicine cabinet and trying to apply different antibiotics. You need to come up with the actual molecular structure that will treat what you're trying to treat. Of course, we need to we need to search for brand new chemicals, and uh, to find which ones could be turned into medicines to treat this uh, bacterium. Okay, gotcha. So, and basically, use the AI to cut down, like you say, from millions and millions and millions of possible chemicals to something more manageable. Exactly. So instead of having to run, let's say, a million experiments in the laboratory, if the AI model, after we've trained it properly, it can give us, you know, perhaps 500 top candidates that it thinks we should test. So that means now we only have to test 500 molecules instead of, you know, a million. And that is one example of how AI can enhance 
the rate at which we discover new antibiotics. Uh, and how, tell us about the success of what you did, because you did come up with, with a solution, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really interesting. So we trained an AI model to be able to look at chemical structures and tell us whether it thinks it's going to be active against this bug or not, right? Right. Um, so we did this at a relatively small scale. We showed it um, uh, uh, about 7,000 pictures of chemicals, and it gave us a candidate list. It gave us about 240 or so that it thought would actually be antibacterial. So we tested those in the lab, yep. and we ended up discovering this one molecule that displayed, you know, quite good potency against acinetobacter in a dish. And that's the chemical that we ended up focusing on in our study. And it worked. Uh, it worked in a dish and it cleared, <laughs> or it, it, uh, it worked in it and it worked to, you know, suppress an infection yeah, yeah. in mice. Oh, that's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. Now, so, I mean, this is pioneering work. AI is, is, is so new. Um, I can imagine how this would be applicable in so many other areas, right? I mean, can what you did be scaled up, transferred? Is it, can it be replicated? Oh, 100%. Um, the, the application of AI does not only work for antibiotics. It can work for, you know, any array of human diseases from potentially neurodegeneration uh, to, I mean, whatever, heart disease, um, cancer. The, uh, the limiting factor, though, I, I don't think it's necessarily the sophistication of these AI algorithms. Oftentimes we find that it's really hard to get enough data to begin with, with to, uh, to train these models to make them robust and reliable, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite frankly, the, uh, the adoption of AI f across, you know, for drug discovery against a bunch of different diseases is both you know, we need to continuously improve these AI, AI algorithms, of course, but it's also, you know, we need to do a better job of acquiring lots of laboratory data that these models can learn from. I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense, right? When you've got this massive power and it can process and synthesize massive amounts of information so much quicker than we can. Like you say, you can apply that same principle in a number of different areas to just weed through everything that's out there to get down to what, what you need to know. Yeah, and here I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind for okay. A go for so, it. In a, in a laboratory, we can test. Let's say you know, uh, let's say two million chemicals. Okay. Right? In a computer, a computer can look at you know hundreds of millions to billions of chemicals, right? Mm -hmm. So we couldn't even even if we wanted to, if we had all the time in the world, we couldn't run you know a billion experiments in the laboratory, but. A well-trained AI model might be able to run a billion predictions, you know, in a few weeks, right? So this is the scale that we're yeah. looking at in terms of both time savings and, you know, money savings as well. We're, we're offering our, ourselves the opportunity to look at a huge region of chemical space. That's what it's called, a ton of different chemicals really quickly. And that, you know, in a perfect world, once we fully wrangle these AI models. That means patients can potentially get medicines quicker and for less money. Okay, let, let me ask you, and if this is a completely ridiculous question, just go ahead and say so. Um, but when I think of like cancer research, and it's always we're testing, we're checking, we're searching for a cure for cancer. That's what you were doing, was searching for something. Can AI possibly be applied to find uh, dare I say, cures or something, but run the same sort of experiments and, you know, put a million different things up a day until it comes up with potential possibilities that we can then go and test? 
I I think so, and I'm and I'm going to go out on a limb. I bet you people are already doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the challenge with something like cancer is like, you know, we're trying to find a drug that only kills cancer cells, but not normal cells, right? right. So those from if we're looking at these cells through the lens of like a biologist, there are actually a ton of overlap. You know what I mean? So we're trying to find drugs that inhibit something very, very specific right. in one type of cell. And that is intrinsically, like, really, really challenging. I think I'm optimistic that AI will be able to help us there. Um, it's just a matter, again, it's like, how do we gather the appropriate data with which to train these models? You know, and I'll put this in perspective, right? We, we work in, uh, my, my lab works in antibiotics. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we think about a bacterium and a human, they're very different, right? So, yeah, sure. you know, it, it, there are many more targets that we can go after in bacteria that don't overlap with humans. Right, in the exactly. Context of cancer, there's tons of overlap. So much, yeah, they're very, very similar. I hear exactly what you're saying, uh, Doctor. It's fascinating work that you're doing, and it's nice to see the upside of AI because we hear so many negative stories. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for your interest. Yeah, thank you very much. That's Dr. John Stokes. Uh, he is an assistant professor of biochemistry and biomedical sciences at McMaster University.